Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon. Dan Cilio here on the National Football Show. Hope all are having a great football day. That's how we're going to start it off now. Hope your football day is going well. I know the main conversation going around in the world of sports right now is, you see LeBron shot last night? Wow, can you believe he made a he made a game tire? Tom Brady does that in his sleep. You think you talk about Tom Brady in the first or third or fourth quarters? You talk about Brady's entire career. Tom Brady's not compared to LeBron James and his four and six. You know what four and six is? That's his finals record. He's compared to the GOAT. Michael Jordan. Those two guys are the GOAT. The conversation should never be about who's the greatest, Jordan or LeBron. It should be who's the greatest athlete we have seen in the last 35 years. Is it Michael Jordan or is it Tom Brady? You talk about dominance. You talk about leading your team. You talk about being the face of your league, not just your franchise. When you think of the NBA, do you think of LeBron? Hey, this is all you have to do. When I think of the NHL, I think of Wayne Gretzky. When I think of the NBA, I think of Michael Jordan. These are the names that come to my mind right away. When I think of the NFL, I think of Tom Brady. Okay, those very simple. Hockey, Wayne Gretzky. Hello? I mean, I don't know. Those are the first names that come to my mind because you know why? Those were the guys, in my opinion, that dominate. Oh, and you want to hear something even more insane? When you tell me, give me the face of baseball, Babe Ruth. Holy cow, am I going back? That shows you the shape that that sport's in. It ain't Mike Trout or anybody. It's Babe Ruth. I tell people this. You know, there's only 14 minutes of that guy's actual game footage. In a game he played 75, 80 years ago. 14 minutes. And we still compare everybody in baseball to that dude. Okay, that kind of shows you where that sport is. Whereas Tom Brady has kind of like blown past all the rest of the winners in the history of the 100 years of the National Football League. And we're sitting around talking about LeBron hitting a shot and you're doing this. Great. Great. Anything to keep, you know, I guess the NBA sort of relative, sort of. All right. Let's dive into our sandbox, as I like to call it, my football world. And I got to do this, man. You know what? I'm going to start this off, and I'm probably going to piss every single person off in Philadelphia. Or wait a minute. I'm probably going to piss off half the room in Philly when I say this. And let me do something that every sports talk radio guy or radio guy, radio broadcaster guy does. Let me give him a backhanded slap. I actually like the guy first. Okay, you know, most people give backhanded slaps before they give the knockout punch. You know, and I guess I'm going to fall into that idiotic way of doing it here because I actually really do like him. I I do. I think the entire 
persona about the kid. There's something that I really like about the kid. Okay. I'm going to leave it there because I haven't unfortunately talked about his ability yet. So I saw the press conference yesterday and I don't want to go like completely berserko, but he said something in that press conference that made me go like this. Who are you again? Jalen Hurts is like, hey, man, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm open to competition. If you want to have competition at the quarterback spot, I'm open to it. You know, it's funny about that comment. I thought about it for a second. And I'm like, and you've accomplished what again? I'm, I'm missing uh, how many NFC East crowns have you won? How many games have you won? How many comeback victories have you led? I'm just curious again, what's your name? Just because you played at OU and you played at Alabama, when you get to the National Football League, son, that means nothing. Zero. So when you throw a state, and, 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 and go with me here on this. I don't think he was trying to be facetious in any way, trying to be, I just think that, again, when you answer questions about competition at the position, that's the most important position, open competition. Here, let me, let me put it out there to you. An open competition for a job that's not solidified yet and not even Eagles know, hey, thank me for not robbing a bank. That's exactly what has to happen in Philly. There has to be an open competition. There has to be something where you look at that position and go, yes, it's Hurts' gig. He's the guy. You're not there yet. You've done nothing to make the organization go like this. Hey, guess what? Okay. He's going to be the future of our franchise. They're not even sure that they may want you to be starting by the end of the year. They yanked your ass out last year at the end of the year to give another guy a look. So don't be, and, and again, I don't want to go crazy on it, but I, I, I sat there. He goes, rents, rents due. And I never want to be laid on rent. These are all cool Mike Tomlin type like comments and like like phrases and great. It's good for the media. And I, I, and I think he's trying to be entertaining too at the same time. But at the end of the day, dude, okay, just be a quarterback first. And that other stuff will come. Look at Tom Brady. Brady acted like he was a robot for 21 years in New England. This new dude that we see in Tampa Bay, this is after seven NFL championship trophies have been put on his mantle where he's acting like that now. That's the equity that guy has built up where he thinks he can throw the Super Bowl trophy. Get drunk in public. Goof around on the internet. Be a social media darling now. This is Tom Brady because Brady has built the equity up. And again, I don't want to you know raise the temperature and give myself a stroke here on that because I don't think the kid's intention was anything malice and trying to, you know, throw an ego. I just think that sometimes when you're saying and you're answering questions, be a quarterback first. Open competition. Hey, 
Thank me for not robbing a bank. No doubt it's open competition. Dude, if you start sucking two games in a row, I'm going to yank your ass fast as you got in the building out of that position. And there's no way am I going to sit there and give a kid an entire 16-game season if he's falling all over himself. There's no way. That guy, if anything, hey, let's, let's be candid. Jalen Hurts is on a short leash. He's not on a full-year leash. I know everybody's saying, well, give him the full year. Give him the full year? Okay, I give him the full year if he's in a division where I can't win. It's the NFC East. Nobody in that division. You want to hear who people are saying, according to The Athletic, or people are saying had the best offseason in the NFC East? It's not who you think. It's not the Cowboys. It's the Skins or the Washington team thing or the team formerly known as the Skins. I like to use that Prince reference. Yeah, the team formerly known as the Skins. Okay, I mean, they say they've had the best offseason. I don't know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he may have one of those magical seasons again. They got a damn good defense. They got a good old line. They got a great coach in Riverboat Ron. I think Rivera went in there and settled the waters. I do actually like Washington to repeat potentially as the NFC East champions. If they can get any production out of that quarterback spot, they're more balanced than any team in that division. Think about it. Defensively, they're very good. Jonathan Allen and all them dudes that they invested those first-round draft choices on on the defensive side, they're decent in the secondary. Look at all the holes that <laughs> look at all the holes that the Eagles have. I just get it from my boy Krause. Fly, Eagle, fly. Yeah, baby, yeah, fly, Eagles, fly. All right. I actually had somebody tweet me and go, hey, Sills, this team's a 12-win team. We had Howard Eskin on. Howard goes, 12 wins. Howard almost had a stroke on the National Football Show. Go back and listen to that. He almost had a stroke. He's like, that team won't win five games, man. Won't win five games. They do have some players on that Eagle team for sure. But, dude, that quarterback position has to be addressed immediately. You know, there's no other position. You know, people are going to go like this. You think they're getting older in the linebacking core? You think about the offensive line, they've had to do musical chairs the last couple of years. The running game has been atrocious. And their paper mache wideouts that they've had for the last couple of years there. Man, I don't know, you know, like making a lot of money. Alshon Jeffries. Alshon Jeffries, when he was robbing when he was robbing the Eagles of money, you know, when when a guy robs a bank, he uses a gun. This guy used a smile. He'd go into Howie's office like this, getting his paycheck. Hey, you doing? <laughs> Hey, how you, how you doing? This guy had his head down every time he got his paycheck on Tuesdays. I'll shot Jeffries. I really love Nikki Foles. <laughs> See the statue there? Isn't it wonderful, man? Yo, man. Go, Nikki, go. We're boys. I burned a life for you, man. Go ahead, Nikki. You'll never have to buy a sandwich at Geno's in your life. In your life. Okay, whatever. Hey, man, old news. That's how Brady looks at winning Super Bowls. Old news. Oh, yeah. What, hey, Tom, what's your favorite Super Bowl? My next one. <laughs> hey, it's the best response you can get from a winner like that. I tell you this all the time about that dude, TB12. That dude is the greatest 1-0 athlete I've ever seen. This guy doesn't give a you-know-what about anything other than winning tomorrow. 
Hey, Tom, what about all your accolades? Ah, you know, yeah, it gets a little uncomfortable. Here's LeBron with LeBron talk. It's really great. I want to, I want to, I want to thank everybody in the building for allowing me to pass Kobe. You know, as one of the, uh, you know, great scorers in NBA history, you know, being one of the great assist guys in NBA history, I just want to tell you how much I love myself and, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself for being able to pass and being able to go past Kobe. You're like, dude, <laughs> put it away. Okay. All right. Brady, you asked that question too? Oh my God. There's so many other great players in the league that are so freaking great. So many superstar guys that are just unbelievable. And, and, and you, what you end up getting is you get one of the absolute – one of the absolute unbelievable scenarios is that you hear people always say, okay, Brady, man, when does he run out of gas? He's never running out of gas. All right. Circle back to Hertz here. Jalen, do me a favor, son. Competition? Hoss, you don't even have a parking spot yet at the link. <laughs> okay? You don't even have – you don't own a park. you haven't earned a parking spot yet. You know the quarterback gets like the first slot? When you know you show up for game day, he he he's back over there still. You know, Fletcher Cox gets that. He he gets that like he gets that spot. Not you, man. You don't have enough equity in the league yet. Dude's in how many people do you think inside that Eagle locker room believe he's the guy? Half? Less than half? Put a percentage on it. I'd say 25% of the people in the building probably think he's probably. I'll lower it. 15% of the people in that building think he's the future. I'm talking to players. Players can come out and address the media all they want. Hey, yeah, man, he's our guy. We love him. Go, go. Hey, fly, Eagles, fly, you know, all that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, and so, dude, that dude hasn't earned enough equity yet. So we move on. Okay. So it happened. Ladies and gentlemen. The biggest sign in NFL history happened today. Baby Jesus, I mean, excuse me, Tim Tebow has been signed by your Jacksonville Jaguars. How come there's no applause? Can we get like the Atlanta Falcons or Kansas City Chiefs? Can we get... Potentially some piped in, like crowd noises. Nothing. Tip Tebow signed. Don't you feel it? Aren't you? Ex How are you not excited? What are you crazy? This is Tebow. Wow. Nothing. No. Well, that's kind of how I feel about it too. Great. I saw the sign, and people were going, "Well, Tebow's officially a Jaguar." So they signed a camper. They signed a guy. They signed, he's just one of the 90 guys they signed to go to training camp. You see him running out there too in his gear? You know, he don't even look like a tight end. He looks like Nathan Peterman <laughs> playing tight end. Okay, and by the way, well, one of the greatest things too, he's wearing Aaron Hernandez's number in honor of Aaron Hernandez. Actually, that's the true statement. He's wearing that, he's wearing that number in honor of Aaron Hernandez. Yes, you know, Aaron's my guy. 
Okay. Hey, I think only he could get away with saying that because if I rolled around going like this, hey, man, Aaron Hernandez is my guy. I, I, I think the Krause family would be like this. Hey, Sills, uh, bring your playbook. <laughs> Sills, bring your playbook, dude. Okay. But Aaron, and by the way, Urban Meyer gave him game film. I want you to play the position like Aaron did. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, Aaron knew how, and you're like, okay, it's always good to have a role model that was a murderer. It's pretty good too. You know, I mean, I don't know if you see that Netflix series, man. It's it's it, it's quite heart, uh, heartwarming. I mean, look, I, I know the Hernandez family. They're from Connecticut. I get it. That's where I was raised. So I kind of know what's up, man. I mean, the two kids were great. DJ and Aaron were uh, two all-staters from the state of Connecticut. Actually, the brother, DJ, worked at the University of Miami as an assistant coach at one time. So I got a chance to know the dude. I mean, okay, yeah, all right. But now, you know, you find out a little bit more about the history of the family, and you're like, yeah, I want you to play like Aaron. Anyway, that's another dynamic part of this story. So Tebow had his first practice today that every South Florida, Central Florida, North Florida newspaper is there covering the story. Unfortunately, what will happen is, like we see in D.C., and in Washington, they'll take this little story here and they'll turn this into something that it's not. You know what it is? A relevant story. He'll have zero relevance on that team when it comes to the production of that team's success or failure. Zero. Tim Tebow's not going to cost them a game or he's not going to win them a game. The one thing, though, that he will do, and by the way, I'll say this to you. If he can prove in special teams that he can help the team in special teams, and you got to remember something about special teams. If he's financially cost-worthy and he's productive, they'll keep him. Do you know, and I don't think people realize this, do you know half the league has players that weren't drafted? Half of the league is players not drafted. So if Tim Tebow can make a roster and make this Jaguars team and financially fit into the umbrella where it doesn't cost them anything and he's somewhat productive, being on the punt return, being on the kickoff return, being on the field goal and extra point teams, maybe sporadically playing, when an injury comes, he jumps in. He's the third uh, extra tight end. If he can show that he's versatile, there is a spot in the NFL for players like that. Or I'll give you a greatest, the greatest position. What do you think the greatest position in the NFL is for longevity? It's the long snapper. If you can long snap, you could play 25 years in the league. Take a look at all the guys, the longest tenured guys that are in the NFL are guys that are long snappers. That, that, that Those are guys, special teams guys that play, and they don't cost them anything. So at the end of the day, I mean, if there is a spot for him, it's going to be in that role. But you see, again, what the media will like to do is, okay, do you think he'll get here, – here will be the questions of Urban Meyer. And, and by the way, because Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall selection – and Trevor Lawrence is the face of that franchise. He may not have to be the face of the franchise right away. 
because Tebow's going to take a little bit of that away from him. When you watch this, when you think of the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, do you think of Trevor Lawrence or do you think of Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow first? I think of those two guys that I just mentioned last. I don't even think of Trevor. That, in a sense, may actually help Trevor Lawrence as he goes from the college game to the pro game. That may actually help him. Instead, of, look, look, look at Zach Wilson going into New York with the Jets. Dude, that guy's the face of the franchise. That guy's rolling into that position, and he's got a lead, right? He's got to go into that position, and he's got to be a person that leads by example. Okay, no other way about it. Look at Trey Lance up in San Francisco. We said that this was the move of the entire offseason because they were able to keep, you know, Jimmy G in the building and you went out and got your guy with the third pick. Make no mistake about it, dude. I still think, and we'll talk to Brian Baldinger here in a minute. By the way, just to give a quick note, Brian Baldinger is going to join us in a couple of minutes from the NFL Network. Also, at the top of the hour, senior head writer for CBS Sports. We will talk to Dennis Dodd. That'll be at the top of the hour. So we'll talk some college football with him. But I think it was the move of the entire offseason, keeping him in the building. When you can keep someone in the building that led a team to a Super Bowl two years ago, that's the move of the offseason. And so Trey Lance just has to sit back and you know what Trey Lance has to do? Nothing. He just has to learn how to be the starting quarterback or first and foremost, learn how to be a pro. When you do that, man, everything else is gravy. And Jimmy G gives them that umbrella. Same thing. I'm not saying to that extent because Jimmy G is a 10-time better quarterback than anything Tebow ever was. And I hear people saying it, hey, dude, 10 years ago he wasn't a very good quarterback. I agree. I agree with you, man. You know, Kyle Bowler has a better quarterback rating than what Tebow did. Tebow's got one of the worst in the history of the NFL. I completely understand that, okay? But that's not the role he's being brought in. But the media, let's see if they accentuate that to make it seem like that. We'll get our friend Brian Baldinger's thoughts in on that as well. I do want to get his thoughts on what happened in San Francisco, the Aaron Rodgers stuff, and then we'll do all that next you keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation your way. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Dan Silio, here on the National Football Show. Really a lot of stuff going on in the world of football, college and pro. We're going to run down an effort our friend Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network and get his thoughts on all the storylines that are out there. Make no mistake about it. They are everywhere. And we just got through talking a little bit about the addition of Tebow. And again, I mean, you know, it's a really nice off-season story. I guess, you know, and, and, and by the way, you know, there is a part of me that says this. If you are the Jaguars and you're the owner, hey, man, this is a great financial move for them. You know, I've, I've said this to you before, and I'll continue to underline and underscore this. Tim Tebow is arguably the most famous Southeastern Conference player in the history of that conference. There have been so many legendary players that have played in that conference. Joe Namath, Peyton Manning, go down the list of all the great players that have played. Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson. I mean, they're, they're, it's just littered with legacy and greatness. For me, having him there right now during this time, hey, man, July will tell us. That'll be training camp. July will tell us whether or not he's going to be an asset to that football team or not. We'll find out, man. I mean, I think it's – I, and, and you know what? Just like Joss said the other day to me. Joss said this the other day to me, man. it's more like this. Okay. You know, quite frankly, what's the big deal? There's no real downside to this. There's no real downside to this whatsoever. So again, we'll, we'll, we'll get with our friend Baldy here and we'll get his thoughts here on that here in a second. All right. So it looks like the Texans are beginning to start the process of potentially playing football after Deshaun Watson. They signed Jeff Driscoll, the former Gator quarterback. And what are these tea leaves kind of telling you right now? What they're telling you is, is that they've got to start preparing the opportunity for two things, okay? One, actually three things, if you think about this whole entire process and this entire issue right now. And that is, one, are you going to be able to convince him to stay? Which it seems that that's a mute point right now. Secondly, you've got to be able to try to deal that player and you would like to deal that player prior to the start of the regular season. You don't want to go into the regular season, have him not on your roster. 
you're sitting there and you've got massive distractions dealing with that situation with the front office and the front office not being focused for David Culley, the new head football coach, to win ball games and try to go out and find talent for that player. So that that's that scenario. Then you've also got to start the process of doing this. You've got to begin to figure out whether or not you have someone in your room right now that you think you're comfortable with moving into the 2021 season that could take that position until you can figure out what you need to do next. Right now, the Texans are like, they're like a headless horseman right now because they just don't know what the position is going to bring them right now. They have no idea what they're going to do with that position. So they're going to bring in as many bodies as they possibly can. Can you imagine this? If you're in that Texans organization right now and you're a player, or even say you're even a position coach, you have no idea as of right now who the starting quarterback is going to be on that football team. I tell you guys, there's no doubt that inside that building, if you don't have that position solidified, that's why the Cowboys went out and signed Dak Prescott to make sure that that charade was finally over. They needed to end that story and get stability at that position. And that's exactly what they did even though they may have had to overpay him. So many storylines with that going on in Houston. All right, let's bring in our friend Brian Baldinger. And Baldy, I think he's down, down in Tampa. My boy's here on the National Football Show. Baldy, how you doing, brother? Silio, what's going on, brother? <laughs> Good to join you, man. Look hey, at you man. with the big golden mic right there. That <laughs> microphone's not big enough for you, Dan. Come on. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, how's the offseason been for you? It's been good. I mean, I can't believe it's uh, almost the end of May, Dan. I'm, I'm actually in Tampa right now. So, I'm, I'm like, everywhere you go in Tampa here, uh, it's just signs about the Bucs and world champions and all that. But it, 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 it's hard to believe that it's been almost four months since it ended. But here we are, like, uh, we're in mini camps. And, you know, I mean, we're counting down the days now till we fire it up again. Let me throw this at you here, too. You know, Baldy, when you and I played, dude, we had three months, it seems, that, you know, we could get fat, out of shape, eat hot dogs and corn dogs, and, you know, we used kind of a three-month camp to get back into shape. Am I right when I say this? That new collective bargaining agreement has hacked that thing to ribbons, and it looks like it's a 12-month job. You have to go into these OTAs in camp nowadays compared to what it was in the past. You know, Dan, I'm, I'm a big proponent. I think these guys overtrain. I mean, the injuries that we see now, we just didn't see it. I mean, I went <clears> – <throat> I was in Dallas. We went years without a torn ACL. You know, I remember – I mean, we, we had a rash of injuries in some other places, whatever. But, I mean, to see the number of injuries and how these guys are getting hurt, I just think they overtrain. Football is a brutal sport. We know it. Um your body needs time to really repair and to, it needs time to recover. And I don't know that these guys do enough of that anymore. They're so, I, I don't really care what somebody looks like in May, to be honest with you. Um, I, re, I remember seeing guys, that they would be 20 pounds overweight in June, but they didn't, they weren't worried. That's what training camp was about. And so, I don't know, I, I, I think these guys are so in love with training that really, 
a good old fashioned six pack and some rest is pretty good for the body. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Let me go into this one here too, dude. I'm not going to go epic and I'm not going to go epic ran on the dude. And I heard him at his press conference and I know he's answering a question and I'm talking Jalen Hurts. He's like, Hey man, I'm open to competition. I, I And I went like this, excuse me, who are you again? I'm not sure who you are. You know, I mean, what's your name? You've done what, what equity have you built up inside that Eagle organization? And I'm just like, I know he's trying to answer the question, but dude, I, I I'm attracted to the guy. I, I like his leadership. I think he's, he, he gravitates to people, and I like the whole package. But here's the question. Can he play? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you watch him, he started four games last year, Dan. And, you know, he was he ran a bunch against New Orleans. It was a big win. But really, when you studied him, he was reading the rush, Dan. He was reading Dan Cilio coming at him. You know, if, you, if quarterback is reading the rush, he, his eyes aren't in the right place. Now, Look, the offensive line was broken last year. There was a lot of different combinations. Guys were getting beat. I get some of it. But he has to show me that he's going to stop reading the rush. I mean, teams are going to – I mean, once they see that, it's over. Nobody can nobody can sustain uh, playing that position the way you have to play it, Dan, if you're reading the rush. So, I mean, that's that, – that's, I've asked people in the organization, hey, can, can he break this habit? I've asked them. They're like, we don't know. But – you know, so look, Joe Flacco is there. Joe Flacco can play quarterback without reading the rush. I'm not anointing Joe Flacco. I think that I think Jalen Hurts will get every opportunity to be able to start. But um, man, I tell you, that's a bad habit to have to break that he has. Oh, I agree with you. I think Flacco ends up beating him out after the fourth week. I, I, I just I think that he is a professional quarterback. He knows how to handle the pocket. And like you said, man, I mean. If you're watching the four guys up front, you're looking at the front seven, and you're not looking downfield. That means you don't know where to throw the football. And I and I give a comparison to this with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Baldy, I, you know, I mean, when I watched him last year, the first eight weeks, I was like, this this guy cannot play that position. He's got no courage in the pocket. Beckham goes down. All of a sudden, he figured it out with Kevin Stefanski. He turned around. He goes, wait, I got Nick Chubb and I got Kareem Hunt back here, dude. I'm going to hand the ball off and not throw my team in trouble. I actually went like this. I got the extension. I got the 18.8 because you know what? I thought he started to mature into that position. Did you see the same thing? Well, I'm a big Baker fan. I, I just am. I, I did. I, I do big 12 games on Saturdays. I saw him at Texas Tech. I saw him at Oklahoma. I was a fan of his coming out. Uh, I thought he had a phenomenal rookie season, 27 touchdown passes, set the record at that time. Um you know, obviously, when when you know when Freddie came in, he took a big step backwards. But I I thought I, I believe in Baker. I just do. I I think he knows how to play the position. Um, I thought he had a great season. I mean, the offense line was fantastic. I thought they were the league's best last year. It's a run based offense. Um, Stefanski did a great job. He did a, he did a great job with the, with not with just Baker and the offense, but that whole team, because that was an organization that, man, they could get sideways real fast. They could beat themselves better than any other team in the league. Just undisciplined penalties. And they really stopped a lot of that last year. And when they did, they really played good football. And I I, I think that Stefanski, you know, really, I know Kevin a long time. He's a Philadelphia kid. His dad was a big NBA executive. I, I think he's got the pulse of that city and that team. I, I expect Cleveland to play real well this year. Oh, no, I think they got one of the top three um, 
rosters in the entire AFC. I think they're loaded this year. What's your take on Wentz going to Indy? How do you think that plays out? Well, I mean, I got to – like he was not good. Dan, he was not good in Philadelphia last year, really the year before. He did not play well. Now, people can say, okay, you know, he really likes Frank Reich. And I – okay, that's fine. He still has to go prove, um, I think, to himself. I mean, he, he might not admit this. He's got to prove to himself that he is an elite player because he didn't play like that last year. And you can say, all right, he was he got sacked 50 times, 12 starts, and all this kind of – that's all true. And quarterbacks, they get hit a lot. They kind of flinch a bunch, and fundamentals go out the window and all that stuff. But that's a good roster in Indianapolis. And what they need is a quarterback that is not going to beat them, is not going to turn it over, is going to make the plays when they're there. And then if you could do something beyond that, then you're talking about a, a playoff team that could go deep. He's got to prove that he could do that to me, Dan, because I, I don't know if it's just, just as quick as, all right, Frank Reich's call the plays. I got this. I don't know if you got this. I'm not, not sure about it. I agree with you. Let me go over to San Francisco. I said this was the move of the offseason, Baldy, because you were able to do this. You make a trade. You're able to move up, get to the three-hole. You get the guy that you identified, according to John Lynch and Trey Lance, because you knew Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were going to be off the board. And you were able to keep Jimmy G. Now, for me, here's a guy that's missed 53% of the games. And if you add it up, it's like this guy misses eight games a year since he's been in Frisco. That's not gonna, You're not going to build a championship roster around something like that. I get it. But when he's healthy, he's 22-8. and eight. I, to be able to keep both those guys, Baldy, and get your future guy potentially, I think that's the move of what we've seen so far in the offseason, including Wentz and Golf and maybe even Stafford, because they got their future and potentially if that guy's healthy, they've got their present. Well, I think that's a good way to look at it, Dan, because I, I, I thought if they were going to take Mac Jones, like a lot of what I was hearing is that, man, you're not going to go get Mac Jones and make him the third pick and – and keep Jimmy G. Like, I just didn't believe it. But I thought with Trey Lance, I thought here's a guy who I think needs some seasoning. I think there'll be a good plan for him. I think he'll play week one, even though he won't start. I don't expect him to. Uh, but I think there'll be a package for him because he's a good runner. He's a good athlete. I think you do a lot of things in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, you know, and if look, if there's a point in time, whether Jimmy G gets hurt or they just feel comfortable with Trey Lance, like they can make that that exchange, but this roster is really good. The offensive line uh, is there. This time last year, Debo Samuel was hobbling on a, you know, a Jones fracture in his foot. Um, the, I mean, there's teams that get injured. Then there's teams that like the 49ers last year, where it seemed like you know from Kittle to Debo to the running backs. I mean, to the fullback. I mean, they all to Nick Bosa. They all got hurt. I, I this is a pretty good roster. I think they could challenge. No question. However, they play the quarterbacks for the NFC West supremacy. How do you look at Tug of Viola? You know, Bully, I look at him and I, I saw Burrow and Justin Herbert last year and I went, wow, those dudes are great. Those dudes look like they could be faces of franchises. I looked at two and I went like this. I don't know. I, I don't know. Am I wrong when I say that? Uh, yeah, no, no, because I mean, the eye test says, you know, Herbert and and Burrow, like you said, I mean, they look the part. Uh, you know, they got to go sophomore year here, stay healthy, do it. I mean, we know what it's all about. But, you know, two was benched twice. Um, you know, he's not six foot six. He's not six foot four. Like, he doesn't have that sort of 
But there is something about I like to, you know, but it was an odd year, COVID, yep, you know, yep, season, yep. all that stuff. Like I'm, I am a fan of two of the person. Yes, I bet on two of the person, Dan. And so let me see them a year with an improved roster. You know, they keep changing offense coordinators down there. Let's see them with a, you know, with a good coordinator. Let's see them with a full off season and a better team around them. And then let's make that evaluation. Do you agree also on giving that same test and that same thought process to Newton? I mean, all the opt-outs last year, he caught COVID. He was 7-8 and eight last year. Obviously did not throw the ball well whatsoever a year ago. But like you said, Baldy, it was an odd year. And plus, as you know, you never want to replace the dude. You want to replace the dude that replaced the dude. And, I mean – are you expecting a better Cam, or are you starting to see this is the decline of Cam because of all the hits that he took in Carolina? Well, I mean, the roster was depleted. I mean, they, they, they had the worst talent around the quarterback. Yeah, they any did. team in the league last year, Dan. Yep. I mean, you know, when Element went down week four, I mean, Jacoby Myers was his best option. They had no tight ends. I mean, I, I did two uh, Patriot games last year. I'm like, well, even if Cam is like MVP Cam, what's he supposed to do? I mean, ran for 12 touchdowns. He did almost – it seemed like he was the whole thing. He had three rookies at one time playing on the offensive line. I I think – here's what I believe, especially with Mac Jones being taken with the 15th selection. I believe whatever – you're going to get the best cam there is this year, whatever that is. Like, you're going to get the very best. Second year in the program, better talent around them, spent a lot of money in free agency, uh, you know, no offseason surgeries, give them the whole offseason – you know, you get you get the quarterback the 15th pick that you wanted. We're gonna get the best cam that there is this season. And that might be who knows, that might be good enough to get back in the playoff race. Two last questions for you, Baldy. I want to get to Aaron Rodgers here. And then you know, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's accumulation and also it's the Packer culture. Follow me here. I, I talked to Mike Gullick about this yesterday. I want to see if you're in the same room with us on this. I mean, go back to last year in the NFC title game. Two coaching blunders, one at the half going in. They give mm-hmm. up the seven. They don't go for it on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Okay, young coaches in the building. You get it. You got an MVP. You're at Lambeau, for Christ's sakes, right? Last year, they draft a quarterback, Jordan Love. They move up to get him. Okay, did it rub him the wrong way? Okay, all of that combined. And then the relationship on how they ended it with Favre and how they put him in. You know, I, I, I that organization is run by committee. Mm-hmm. It's not run by like an owner or GM. It's run mm-hmm. by a bunch of dudes with Mark Murphy. And I think all of that, you got 30 years of quarterback. Look at this, Baldy. You got 30 years of Favre and Rodgers, and you got two Super Bowls, albeit phenomenal mm-hmm. that you went to. But that's an underachieving organization because it's run by committee. Do you agree? Well, I here's what I think. I, I agree with a lot of things you just said, the committee and all the things that you just uh, stipulated very well, Dan. I believe in all that stuff you said. But I, I also think there's this this Brady effect. Like, he watched Tom Brady yep. leave New England, all right? Like, oh, he left the mother's nest. He goes, they didn't want to give me a contract. I think I'm going to play until I'm 45. I deserve a contract. You're not going to give it to me. I'll go someplace. So, you know, where's Brady going to go? We all speculate. Okay, he goes to Tampa. We none of us knew that that was a Super Bowl-ready uh, roster. No way. Okay. Nobody knew that it was, but 
put Brady in there, it became one. And not just that. Like, you remember, like, you know, Bruce Aarons didn't want Antonio Brown. But Tom Brady did. Who did he get? He got Antonio Brown. All right? Great second half of the season. He wanted Leonard Fournette. What did he do? He got Leonard Fournette. He wanted Gronkowski. Got him out of retirement. I mean, he got everything he wanted because he knows what you need. And to me, when Aaron Rodgers said, I'm going to go to Denver, all of a sudden you look at Denver totally different. You go, okay, that's, you know, that's a Hall of Fame coach coaching the offensive line. That's a great defensive coach coaching the defense. That's a lot of young talent on the offense. Aaron Rodgers saying, you get, you put me in Denver. I'll be, I'll be Manning and I'll be Elway there. That's what he says. Like, I, that's how they think. And if you said, okay, well, we, we're building for the future with Jordan Love. That's not how he thinks. He's there. Here's the one thing, Dan. Aaron Rodgers knows this as much as any quarterback plays the game today. He's only going to be measured by Super Bowl championships. That's it. Like MVPs like this year or great seasons or pro Bowl. Blowing. He's going to get measured at the end of his career by Super Bowl championships. And if he doesn't feel like that committee is thinking the way he's thinking, get me out of here. I'm going to go someplace else and do it. And I don't believe that's being a diva quarterback or that's being anything. That's just a guy that knows more than all those other pieces that you mentioned combined. Absolutely. Finally here, this is by request. Your <laughs> analysis on Landon Dickerson. Dude, he was the best lineman I saw since uh, Quentin Nelson. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, it didn't matter what game I put on. He was just – as he finished plays the way Big Q did when he was at Notre Dame. I felt like I was watching the same guy. And then I find out that the strength coach at Alabama came from Notre Dame, and he trained Quentin Nelson at Notre Dame. And he kind of verified the same level of power. And then you put this this tenacity that he has and the way that he plays the game. I think the guy's going to be a, like a an all-pro player for Philadelphia. And the Eagles, like I think sometimes, Dan, I know the injuries. I know all that. He did start 24 straight games for Alabama. All right. There was, I mean, there was a stretch there where he went, you know, where he just dominated. And and Nick Saban said, this is the best leader we've ever had. I think the Eagles are getting themselves a future all-pro player on the offensive line. Everyone forgets that Anthony Munoz was riddled with injuries at USC. Yep. Didn't even play his senior year. Right. I think he played one game. He played the Rose Bowl. And then he was like the third pick in the draft or the second yeah. pick in the draft. And he played 14 consecutive years without an injury. Yep. No, I, I, I've mentioned that before. You know, like sometimes just better, like you'd bet on Anthony Munoz in anything in life. Yes. I, I think you're going to say the same thing about Landon Dickerson and what he's like. Bro, you got the life of Riley, man. Just rolling around cities now, man. You're like a <laughs> rock star now, man. It's all yeah. good, brother. Hey, hey Big man. Daddy, Big Daddy be proud of us now right now, right? I might go, out, I might go hunt up Big Daddy tonight, man. Go, go get a few laughs in here, Dan. I go old school with Big Daddy tonight. I can do it, Big Daddy. Look at this shirt. <laughs> hey, brother, I love you, man. Thank you very Thanks, much. Dan. Be safe, man. All right. You got it, buddy. See you, man. You got it. That is Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network, man. Been friends a long time with that dude, man. All right, we'll take a timeout right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap. Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. 
Go Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Here on the National Football Show. Appreciate everybody stepping in with us. By the way, tell your friends, man, spread this bad puppy like a fungus, man. Share the show. Now we love it here, man. Share the show, like the show, do whatever you have to do to get it out there. We're going to have Dennis Dodd at the top of the hour. Just we're talking about Landon Dickerson. I want to talk to Dennis Dodd about Alabama. Look who they lose. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Mac Jones. That offensive line, they lose the coordinator, and they're the number one team in the country? How's that possible? Now, we got to remember this. Over my shoulder there, I got two national championship rings, okay? And my uh, NFL alumni ring is in the middle there. You got two national title rings, okay? So when we lost, guys, we were number one, number two the next year, too. What they're doing at Alabama is what we did back in the 80s and 90s when we were building the Miami dynasty, you look at all the hall of famers each and every single year now that are being elected into Canton. We got two guys, I think going in this year, we got Edron James and Jimmy Johnson going in because they're combining the classes. Uh, the year previous didn't get a chance to go in and Edron's going in. Edron was a phenomenal college football player. I mean, he was just great at UM. He was in the same backfield with Clinton Portis and Frank Gore. Can you get this at one time at UM, our backfield was Frank Gore, Edgerin James, and Clinton Portis, and Willis McGahee. I mean, you put all those dudes, they were on the same football team. How insane was that? I mean, to have those guys in the backfield and all of those guys, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were at least considered all pros, made all pros. There's Hall of Famers in that conversation. 
Edrins was such a great football player. So, you know, that's what Alabama's doing today. So we'll talk to Dennis Dodd. That will be here in a couple minutes at the top of the hour. All right. So, we, you know, it's funny. We, we bring this up, and all of a sudden, the next two days, because if you go on my Twitter page, at Dan Cilio Show, Cilio has no connections. He doesn't know anybody. It's funny. If you've been watching the National Football Show, I think that kind of has been put down, that we don't know anybody. We've had the biggest names in NFL and in college football on the program. I don't know where – and see, that's the Internet assassins, I guess doing what they do best. You know what that is? Lying. Because that's not case that's not case in point here, man. That's just not. And so when we hear something like I am very dear friends with Rich McKay, who will be on the program. He wanted some time for the new general manager there in Atlanta to get his feet wet and there's no question. Now I know why he wants to get a little space past June 1 because as we said yesterday, Julio Jones's name is being brought up now for potential trade uh, to other teams in the NFL. And we singled out two places that we had heard of as of yesterday, and that is the Indianapolis Colts and also the San Francisco 49ers. And as I also said yesterday, I do believe that you're going to see a marketplace for this guy here for other teams. But here's the problem. Julio Jones comes with a $23 million salary next year. He can't make that money. You can't pay him almost the same amount of money that Jimmy Garoppolo is making in San Francisco. Garoppolo is going to make $28 million this year. You're going to have a wide receiver making $23 million. It's got to be a restructure and it's got to be something where maybe potentially Julio Jones is also released because the salary does not equal the player's production. And quite frankly, as I said yesterday, it's the most overrated position in the NFL. Here, here's why. If you don't have a great signal caller, if you don't have a great offensive line, you're never going to get the production out of the wideout that you're dropping all that money on. You're just never. There's so many things that have to happen for that wideout to get his production numbers. Quarterback's got to be accurate. Like I said, coordinators got to have him into the mix of the offensive game plan. And when you're forcing – how many times have we seen when you're forcing footballs into an elite wideout? How many times have we ever seen that truly pan out? Remember something. I want to give you – and this is a little historical note for you here. When the 49ers won the Super Bowl, when Jerry Rice was the MVP, you know who caught the game-winning touchdown? It was John Taylor, the other dude. He caught the game-winner against the Bengals. They weren't forcing the – my point is they weren't forcing it even into the goat of wideouts, Jerry Rice. They were not forcing it. When you're forcing the football into a guy that you have to have as a premier target – and most importantly, you get the contracts out and you've got, well, if the guy gets 100 catches, he gets $1.5 million. When you start loading up guys' contracts on production, playing time, catches, and not wins, that's when you get a problem. And that's why in New England, think about it. 
It is without a doubt the greatest example of what you don't need to win a Super Bowl. You can't name me one wideout, not name Gronkowski, who's a tight end actually, where you would go, man, that guy's going to Canton. We won Super Bowl after Super Bowl with this guy, and Randy Moss didn't win a Super Bowl in New England. Give me a guy. Troy Browns of the world. The Welkers. The Edelmans. I mean, the Amendolas. The Chris Hogans. These are all nobodies. And I mean nobodies in the world of the Diva Wideout. These are all dudes. But because you had a guy that was accurate, made everybody else better around them. Brady is a lot like, I, I, I made the comparison at the top of the show, Brady's so much like Jordan. Take a look at all the guys who left that Bull dynasty back in the day. Okay, let's take a look at that. Scottie Pippen ever win an NBA championship without Jordan? That'd be a no. Okay, Rodman already had to from the Detroit Pistons. Can you tell me? I mean, Kerr sitting on the bench in San Antonio? All right. I mean, but most of those, the Bill Whittingtons of the world, the Bill Cartwrights, the Horace Grants, the Tony Kukoches of the world, those guys, everywhere they went, it was like they were just another dude. Jordan made them all great around them because everybody knew a role. Receivers that know their role instead of wanting to be the guy, those are the guys. I'll tell you something about what was really a shame in Arizona. When, when you have people and you are Steve Kime and you go in there and you make a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, now what you're doing is you're putting Kyler Murray in a position where you have to get the football to that guy. And by the way, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best third down wide out there is in the National Football League. I really do. I think he is the best third down wideout. But wideouts, and I said it, and I'll say it again, man, you don't need to win a Super Bowl with diva guys. So for me, Julio Jones, you bring that contract down, the entire league would want that guy on his team. You put that thing in around a $15 million range, you'll have every NFL team after you, and you'll win Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Can you imagine putting a guy like Julio Jones in Green Bay? Holy cow. Could you imagine putting Julio Jones in Seattle? My God almighty. Man, that would be great to watch. But Julio Jones is going to go to a place that has a mediocre quarterback, and once again, he won't get his numbers, and he'll just get his bag of cash. All right. We're going to take a quick time out here. We'll talk to Dennis Todd from CBS Sports. We'll do it next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Scalio Hour 2. Like I said, man, there, there just never seems to be a downtime when it comes to football any longer. College football, pro football, there's recruiting now, early recruiting, free agency, everything. So, again, I mean, there, there, there's no question Right now that the football world, man, because of how we look through the lens now of the game, okay? And, 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 and to me, I, I, I love the fact that there's just no downtime in this, especially when we're talking about the college game here too, okay? The college game, you've got to love, you know, where the college game has decided to do certain things this coming season to make so- sure that – it's getting back to some type of normalcy, and that is getting fans back in the stands. It's so important. And I I think one of the major mistakes that was made last year with the college game was that we had too many conferences, in my opinion, that were off on an island by themselves. And what I mean by that is they were following their own protocols and their own doctors. And, And by the way, Last year, just like this year, there's no question about it. We're still fumbling through many of the protocols on what the government tells us with the CDC, what the World Health Organization told us. And it really was a very confusing time when it came for for sports in America, especially the college game. Because the college game, compared to the NFL, the college game truly relies, in my opinion, it relies on the fans in the stands. Okay? It really does. And I thought last year not having the fans in the stands really, really was noticeable more so than not when it came to the college game. You know, the NFL kind of can get away with it a little bit because the NFL doesn't really rely so much on attendance in the stands. They make so much money from the television networks. 
But the college game, man, getting them back in the stands is going to be important. And one of my favorite people on the planet and one of my favorite guys in college football, he's been covering the sport. He is the senior writer for CBS Sports, and I so love this guy, Dennis Dodd. Dennis, how are you, brother? Danny, it's been a minute. How are you? It surely has been a minute, man. I'm so happy to catch up with you and talk our favorite sport, and that is college football. I was just saying, Dennis, how great is it going to be to get those those fans back in the stands again? This oh. fall, saying everything goes the way yeah. it goes, but getting people back in the stands. I think just to play a full season because it was so convoluted last year. And I, I really – I told people I really lost – some of my emotion for sports, not just college football, but all the sports, just watching that dead air of those stadiums. And it, you can even see now with half full hockey arenas and basketball and whatnot, what a difference it makes um, in baseball that, yeah, it's going to be great. I can't wait. I can't wait either. You know, I, I, I said this yesterday when I saw this number and I want to start with some of the conferences here and I want to start in the Southeastern conference, by the way, Dennis, I call them the Premier League, like of college football. They're, I mean, you're stroking twenty-three million dollar checks to guys who lost COVID. The amount of money that that conference generates, I think that news yesterday shows you the imbalance that they have and the advantage they have against other conferences when they've got a war chest like that. I mean, how do you recruit against something like that when you've got the SEC as powerful as they are? Well, it's hard. Uh, you know, they basically went to a bank and got a loan for three hundred and twenty-two million dollars. You know, which you, you and I can easily do, right? Uh, <laughs> and and the bank, the the loan officer is probably licking his chops because there's no better loan in, in existence. The SEC, yeah, and, and so they borrowed. They are borrowing that money against the media rights they will earn from their new contract when it goes online, I think in 2025. But by the time they get there, the, the individual rights fees will have gone up so much that it may be, may be a wash. In other words, they may not be out any money by the time they get there. And, and so that, yeah, that's the difference, um, you know, that a conference like that can weather a, um, you know, a pandemic by just going and, and getting a loan for $300 million. That being said, the average per school that they got was $23 million. I'm told that schools like LSU and Alabama lost upwards of $70 million. But again, if there's if there's athletic programs that can quote unquote afford it, then it's those schools. I talked to somebody today. I said, how do they make up that money? Do they just take out a, a loan themselves and do a 30-year loan like it's a house? And the person said, no, nah, it's more like five. So they, <laughs> if everything stays the same, they get it. They'll, they'll make it back in five. Wow. Let's go over to the Pac-12. We had uh, Herm Edwards on the other day and Mario Cristobal on, and we were talking to Kyle Whittingham about the new guy. I think his name is George Klavikov from MGM, and he's on the media side, and I actually like this move. And I'm not throwing any shade at Larry Scott, but I, I, I told all these coaches, Dennis, I go, that 7.30 start that you dudes have with all the people that live on the East Coast – I'm not sitting up. Sometimes 8 o'clock starts, man. Those are 11 o'clock starts back on the East Coast. I don't know how advertising-wise, market-wise, where you're, you're you're pushing your product and advertisers that are involved in this, what does he bring to the Pac-12? What, what do they need to do to get on the same line with the Big Ten and the SEC? Well, if, if there had never been a Larry Scott or a Kevin Warren – 
you would cock your head and kind of say, hey, that's interesting, kind of outside the box, seems qualified. Um, and I don't know the man, and I'm willing to give him a, the benefit of the doubt, but doing it, going off the reservation like that again for someone who's never walked across a college campus, and that's how the, the Pac-12 got in trouble in the first place because of lack of awareness on certain issues, it is cause for concern. Again, his resume is stocked. He's, you know, was in MGM two and a half years, worked in uh, chief digital officer for NBC Universal. But but there's only one thing that has to get fixed there primarily and first is football. You can talk about start times and everything else. That's part of it. But you've got to get those presidents in the Pac-12 to care as much about football as they do basically everywhere else. Not, not just the SEC. And the SEC, it just means more. I tell people in the boardrooms of the Pac-12, it doesn't. And I get I get no disagreement from people in the Pac-12 when I say that. It's a different culture. And until that changes, until when an Urban Meyer becomes available and somebody says, yep, we're going to pay $8 million and bring him here, which USC had the full opportunity to do but didn't because Clay Helton's buyout was too big, then it's going to stay the same. Uh, and they've got to develop a strategy to fix foot, football first and foremost. Absolutely. You know, I, I was talking with Mike Leach the other day, Dennis, about, you know, the college football playoff. And I, I disagree with other people when they say, let's expand it. To me, I think what needs to be expanded is the committee. And to me, having the committee expanded, because when you have commissioners from the five major power conferences, Notre Dame, and you have the influence of television and the branding, as you said, of all the programs. Notre Dame, they want it because of it. Notre Dame makes the makes the playoff because of the TV ratings. There's a Notre Dame fan somewhere in every state. Okay. Southern Cal is another one of those Bell Cow franchises that they want to play. I mean, having somebody like Utah, that's not going to cut it for TV executives. So how do you see this thing being resolved here and maybe helping, again, not make it so regionalized? Because we agree, you and I, I think, the college football's title game now, it's the same five teams. It's Georgia, three, Alabama. Three, three. It's the three. Yeah, it's the same three guys every year. It, well, first of all, in, in the, in the seven-year history of the playoff, you know, if you want to make an argument for expansion, you can't on that end because no team that deserved to be in was not in. Um, that started in year one when Ohio State went from six to third. And yeah, maybe it was wrong, but they won the whole thing. So they validated their presence. So you've got that. So the only reason you're doing it uh, is for more money. And not surprisingly, uh, the, the, the CFP is an LLC. It's a separate company, so it can do what it wants. And it's going to expand, make no, make no bones about it. When they put that in the press release, that's as much information as I've seen about an expansion of the playoff from any writer in the first seven years of the CFP. So if they're talking about it to that depth, they're going to expand it. To your point, I don't think it necessarily solves the problem. The same teams are winning every year. Because if you're going from four to eight and doubling the field, at least three of those schools of the four are going to be from power conferences, and one or two of them are probably going to be from the SEC. So it really comes down to this. What kind of access do you give the group of five if you go to eight or bigger? I had, I had normally assumed that if you double the field, you've got to give them an automatic berth. You know, for the, for the best conference champion last year, that would have been uh, Cincinnati. And they did get 
uh, a New Year's Six birth. But in asking around, that has become a huge bone of contention because the likes of the SEC, because the likes of Big Ten, which has gotten more postseason births um, in major bowls since the beginning of the BCS in 98, they're going to say, well, why should we give them anything? You know, we'll just pay them off with more money from the contract because we want our teams in those games. This is getting to the point, and that's going to have to be solved before everything else, because I think it's getting towards the point where it's going to be a lawsuit if they don't. Um, it may be a, a small matter to those commissioners, but it's going to matter before they expand. You know, I, I tell people the last time there was a non-Power 5 team win the national championship was BYU, and that's the last the, team. The only it, time. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, when are we really going to get outside of the academies, like you said, I mean, and BYU, I mean, look at this stuff here, man. I mean, that just doesn't seem that like the tournament for college basketball, Dennis, looks like you could be Butler and you can win a national title. Okay. You could get to the title game. In college football, if you're Cincinnati, you would have to play the NFC North to get into like the ability. I mean, is it scheduling? Is it just they need to just give them an at bid birth there to this expansion where it's mandated that they do it? Well, out of a sense of fairness and a, and a yes. sense of legal liability, that I think they do. Um, they haven't in this contract because all parties agreed to it. Um, basically, they were outvoted and they got a lot more money. I think the Sun Belt's getting a million per school now instead of a hundred thousand, something like that. So that's not insignificant. But uh, you know, in in no no school has gotten close to that top four. Now they're what what is it? They're considered if they're top twelve and Cincinnati yes. finished eighth or ninth. They've got a chance this year, uh, and I say a chance because they play at uh, Indiana at Notre Dame in back to back weeks, back to back games. I don't know if they're back to back weeks, but you win those at least you got people's attention. Given what they've accomplished uh, under Luke Fickle. That you know, it's kind of like a Boise State. Okay, they can play yeah. with the big boys. We already know that. So if they win those two games, and if they win them fairly convincingly, which could happen uh, based on what they have coming back, then then they've got a chance. It's still going to be a hard climb because you're still going to have, if it's a choice between a fourth team, you're going to take a second place team from the SEC before you're going to take the American champion because you're stuck with that stigma. But I I will say this: they they made as good a run at it as anybody did uh, last season since the BCS started in 98, and now the schedule gets better. A couple last questions for you here. Um, look at, Al you know, Alabama again, there they are. They remind me so much of what we did back with Jimmy Johnson's days. I mean, look what you're losing. Jalen Waddell, you're losing Devontae Smith, you're losing Mac Jones, you're Six losing all those right? dudes yeah. in the old line. You lose yeah. the coordinator too, and Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas. I mean, and here they are again. Has he superseded what Brian has done at Tuscaloosa in your opinion? Oh, yeah. I think, I, I'll go you one better. I think he's the greatest team sports coach of all time. I think wow. he's better than, I think he's better than Scotty Bowman, who won all those cups with, uh, with the Canadians and the Penguins and the Blackhawks and whatnot. You think um, he's had a bigger impact on football than Belichick? Oh, I, I absolutely do because you have to understand where he came from. In 2014, he threw away everything he knew about offensive football and kind of hired a flighty Lane Kiffin to install the spread. Well, not only that, he did that and committed to it. Now, and here's the big, the big point. Now, 
Alabama is the standard for quarterbacks and receivers. They, those, those players line up first to go to Alabama. That's never been said before, nor has it been close. They churn out receivers there like, you know, an ice cream parlor turns out cones. Um, I don't have to tell you about the quarterbacks they have now. They're going to the West Coast. They're going outside the footprint and picking up players. And to win seven championships in an era where there was supposed parity, they made a mockery of parity by doing it. And and he did he did his seven in what, 2003 yeah. to 20 and 17 years? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, uh, Bill Belichick did it in a league with 30 teams. Um, you know, Saban did it in a league at, at the point where the SEC was better than it's ever been. It, it, it's, uh, you know, it's remarkable. I'm always asked to compare it to our, our dynasty when we won all those national titles. And I'm like, do you know they have the same dude? And then what you said, he changes from going from a three yards in a cloud of dust to spread offenses where, get this, you're getting spread quarterbacks more so at Alabama than you are at Miami now. And you've got to go into the portal, which I'm going to ask you finally here on. Um, I, 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 boy, I just, I think it's remarkable on his recruiting. I was talking to Kyle Winningham about the portal. And to me, I look at the portal as free agency of college football. That's kind of what I've dubbed it. And I really like it because when you're at these programs, Dennis, like LSU or Alabama or some of the big winning programs like Ohio State, look at Joe Burrow. He's a prime example of that. You're not going to potentially get an opportunity. And if a guy plays great, you're going to sit behind that guy and you could be great. I like the portal. Do you? Yeah, I just, I think it's fair. I think it's going to be fun to cover. You know, there's two points. I think the coaches have only themselves to blame the coaching profession. I would never single anyone out, but what did they do for years? They made they made this into a situation where they block kids. And that's where that term came from when yeah. coaches started doing it in the major sports. It was unfair. There were 19 sports in the NCAA where you didn't have to sit out in five sports rather randomly, men's and women's basketball, football, and hockey and baseball where you had to sit out. Okay, well, that was unfair. It got to the point where it was so abusive that again, the legal liability, somebody was going to get sued back to the Stone Age on this because, as the NSA reminds us and penalizes teams over it, we want our athletes to be as close as a normal student as possible. Well, you know what? The normal student sometimes transfers multiple times during their career. So, why shouldn't these players? And if the worst thing you can say about it as a coach that you have problems with roster management, I, I, I don't have much sympathy. You know, give me the 2.7 million which the average coach earns in FBS, and I'll somehow find a way to put it on my plate. <laughs> you know, Dennis, I, I, I tell people this too. When you're coaching today in college football and you're making $11 million like Saban or even Kirk Ferentz, who's making north of $4.5 million a year, I mean, why would I ever leave a college program if I'm in a top 30 program and I've got my own moat. I fly around like a rock star in my own private airplane recruiting people. I mean, like John Calipari. Why would John Calipari leave Kentucky to go coach the Nets? He flies around like a rock star. It has become so profitable, hasn't it, to be a college football coach. I mean, I, I don't see a lot of these premier guys like Lincoln Riley leaving. Doesn't he make $6.5 million a year? And he has one of those like tenure clauses kind of the same way that the previous coach had. If you're there past 10 years, they give him another 6 million bucks. 
like Bob Stoops got. I mean, what Lincoln Riley go to the NFL? Why? Well, look, Lincoln Riley and, and the guys you're mentioning can go to the NFL anytime they want. I think he's 30. I think he's only 36. I want to say it may be a couple of years older, but I'm sure. And I, I've written this. I've said, look, I'm sure his wife has said, you can go to the NFL 10 years from now, 15 years from now. What you can't do is win like you're doing now. The NFL right. isn't going anywhere. Hey, if things don't work out here one day or you get bored or tired or, or whatever, but Oklahoma is, it's going to be good for the foreseeable future. We know that they've won four big 12 titles have been in three playoffs in Lincoln Riley's first four seasons. Um, the NFL is a cautionary tale, you know, try, try to name the coaches off the top of your head that were successful in college and were successful in the NFL. I'm talking about big names. They're the ones I can think of. Right now, or only Jim Harbaugh, who was successful in Stanford and was successful with the Niners, and Pete Carroll. Um, I'm sure there are more, but that's all the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Absolutely. Dennis, it is great catching up with you again. Thank you so much. I can't wait for the college football season, and I can't wait to see who plays for the national championship this year. And I can't wait to see how my Canes do, too, by the way. Man, he's got a big year coming up. I think they're going to surprise some people. Dennis, thank you, my friend. All right, Danny. Glad to be on. Nice bet, Thanks. Thank you, man. That's Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, the senior writer for CBS Sports College Football. He is just fantastic. We'll take a brief time out and keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. 
Welcome back, National Football Show with your boy Dan Silio here on the Jacob Media channel. Hey, don't forget, share the show. That's all I'm asking you to do. Okay? As loyal listeners, followers, just share the show. We really appreciate it. By the way, tomorrow we will have the legendary Pro Football Hall of Famer from the NFL Network, Kurt Warner, with us and one of the legendary sports talkers and sports media personalities of all time, Tony Bruno, will join us tomorrow. And Krause was telling me, you know, let's try to make sure we keep Bruno like you know on the football rail. You know, Tony likes to, you know, it's kind of like a roller coaster when you get Bruno on. Okay. It, it, it's, you know, Bruno will go like this on you sometimes. Okay. And by the way, it's a fun ride. Always know this with Tony Bruno. It's a fun ride. Don't get me wrong. But we could go like this to get to our favorite football team. Watch this. Here's Tony. Here's Tony Bruno. Go, eh, we're going to go over here. Then we're going to go over here. Then we're going to, eh, over here. Finally. Okay. So, Tony and I have known each other uh, for about 25 years. It's been great. I mean, I think I even have a, a picture of what, with us back in the day with Jim Rome, and we were all at Premier Radio back in Los Angeles together. Just absolutely one of the absolute great sports talk and sports personalities will join us tomorrow as well. So, all right, let's get into a little bit of, you know, the coaches that are going to be taking their football teams this year into this great journey trying to win a championship and trying to dethrone. Everybody's going to be going after the Buccaneers. What See, I think you have to have that dude in the room to be able to motivate the rest of the players in the room to be able to go after. And, and know this, the war of attrition will also play its role. If you personally think that the Buccaneers are going to have all 22 guys play at the end of the year, in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. The roster you see today, okay, could be completely changed by the time we get to week eight. How many times do we see injuries play its factor when it comes to how a team was perceived at the beginning of the year? Hell, you can go to that clickbait machine called Pro Football Focus, and you can see the teams that they're looking at right now. I guarantee you half that list will be different by the end of the season. And why is that? Well, softer schedules, uh, teams maturing. The least amount of movement on those respected teams are usually the teams that have the greatest success. I say that to you all the time. If you are a fan of a team right now that made 10 or 15 moves in the offseason, the chances of that football team having a 10 or 11 win season is moot. It just absolutely is. These half these guys basically don't even have their playbook right now, and it's May 20th. I mean, they're just learning what's being asked of them. They're doing due diligence of doing their homework now. What does this call mean? What does this language mean? Because when you go from one team to another, honestly, it's like learning French and it's like learning Japanese. They're completely different, completely different when it comes to terminology. When it comes to settings, hell, they may be even playing a completely different scheme of football on that side of the ball compared to what you did. You may not even know how to play the position correctly. You've got to go in, get coaching. What are you asking me? All of that. The great teams roll in and go, all right, let's practice what we've been doing for the last 10 years. And when you get that going, there's no doubt 
you get the best result at the end of the year. So I'm going to give you some of my favorite coaches that are going into this 2021 season. And I got five coaches that I just absolutely look at that could potentially dethrone Bruce Arians and that Tampa Bay Buccaneer. That's what I'm looking at. Who are the coaches and the organization, along with having a signal caller in the building, that you could potentially go out and you could dethrone Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? Who are those guys? You know, I think probably you're going to be shocked when I say this, but I'm going to start with number five here. I think what they're doing in Buffalo and how they're building that football team in Buffalo with Sean McDermott, how they've drafted, how they're building, making the right moves. Hey, the Stefan Diggs move. There wasn't a person in in the room on the planet who actually thought, get this, think about this for a minute and what you actually did and what that also sends as vibes to potential other free agents. You see, people don't read really the room well enough on some of these moves. So Stefan Diggs, he leaves Minnesota. He's not going to the Bucks, the Eagles, the Rams, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Packers, the Bills. How many free agents have the Bills signed that you went like this? Wow. Was that a great move? Buffalo? Buffalo, really. The Buffalo Bills got a player like that to go like this. I want to come here and play because I think you're building something great. What? Remember the kind of stuff that he was digging up there in Minnesota? It looked like he was a team house cancer, and he was basically pulling his version of the Alshon Jeffries kind of crap in the, in the locker room. He gets the Buffalo. This guy's a 100-catch guy, and all of a sudden you're watching Josh Allen's progress start to go like this as he starts to climb and climb. All of a sudden, by the end of the season, we're in the final quarter poll of the year. We're doing this about Josh Allen. That dude from Wyoming is in the conversation for the Most Valuable Player Award? What? Could that guy actually be the better guy that was drafted in that draft? Could he be the guy? We saw that before when we were talking about Mahomes. Mahomes was, you know, he was the first player taken in his draft. All of a sudden, we saw Patrick Mahomes. We went, holy crap, is that guy great? That's what we saw the same thing with Justin Herbert last year. Justin Herbert gets that job like this, right? I mean, do you guys remember what happened? I mean, um, if I'm not mistaken, Tyrod Taylor had some sort of like chest injury the week before. They give him like a shot in the chest, like a cortisone shot. They puncture his lung. All of a sudden, you know, Anthony Lynn, the the then head coach, goes to him and says, hey, man, we have an issue here with Tyrod. He can't go. It was like like 25 minutes before the game started. He thought he was just going to be holding a clipboard. Yeah. He goes out and throws for 350 yards and almost beats the defending champion Chiefs last uh, last year. And I was like, whoa, this guy looked like he fit in. I was like, that guy is some football player. You saw him and you're like, that dude's better than I thought coming out of Oregon. That offense up in Eugene must have held him back a little bit because that guy can sling it. You talk about spinning the ball, that dude can spin it, man. Same thing with how McDermott has handled – um, Josh Allen, personally for me, 
I for me to want to add some more components, I thought they should have got Leonard Fournette. I thought they should have got themselves. Me to me, Najee Harris would have been a bitch in that offense. Najee, Stefan Diggs, and Josh Allen. Can you imagine that offense? Tell you what, man, I think the Bills are right in that conversation along with Kansas City and the Cleveland Browns for having arguably the best roster in the uh, AFC. That's a good-looking football team, and it's run by a hell of a football coach and Sean McDermott. I like him. And if I had to think about it right now, there's no question, man, I think they're the favorites to repeat in the AFC. AFC East, I should say. My fourth coach, it's it's not a shocker because there's some names on here. You're obviously are the elite guys. I think these guys are the elite guys, okay? And I'm not putting Arians in there right now because obviously I'm talking about dethroning and beating um, somebody like Buccaneers and Tom Brady and Bruce. So that's kind of what teams and what coaches can beat them. I got Pete Carroll there. You know, I'll, I'll tell you something about the journey that Pete Carroll went on. You know, when, when Pete was the head coach, his first stint, two stints actually, his first time in, in, in the NFL, he was the head coach of the Jets and he was the head coach of the New England Patriots. A tick, a cup above, you know, 500. His record was a couple ticks above 500, you know, and wins. Then he goes to the college game and he gets the USC job. I think it changed his entire coaching philosophy. And I've had conversations about it. We'll get Pete on the show. And I've had conversations with him. And you know what he did? Right in the same city at the time when he was there, John Wooden was still alive. And he went over to the UCLA Bruins facility at Pauley. And he told me he sat with John Wooden. Coach, give me the secret sauce. And Wooden said this. We did everything the same way every year. Nothing deviated. We could be playing against the University of Washington or playing against Kentucky for the national championship. Nothing changed. He goes, we had a way of doing things. We set a culture in the building. So when the players walked in the building, they knew what to expect. Wooden used to have these flashcards. And John Wooden won 10 national championships at UCLA. He's arguably the greatest basketball coach in college basketball history. Some think even maybe the greatest coach next to Phil Jackson of all time. Okay. And he had a process. If you ever, I saw the flashcards. I was lucky enough to become friends with coach Wooden and coach Wooden used to send my daughter children's books. Uh, He wrote children's books at the end of his life. And we have a whole collection of them and all signed by coach Wooden. It was pretty remarkable. And one of the, treasures that I have is that coach Wooden send us um, like children's books all the time. And he signed them for us. It was really great. And Pete Carroll said that he had a chance to sit down with coach and the pyramids of success and go over all that stuff. Cause you got to have players first and foremost, you have to have players. And the thing you have to be is genuine with them. Don't lie to them. Let them know who they are. Let them know that, Hey, look, you're going to treat your stars differently But what you're going to not do is treat people differently. And I do think there's a difference. Look, am I going to treat a player like Tom Brady different than I am with Kyle Trask, the brand new rookie? Of course, I'm going to treat him differently as a player. But as a man, I'm not. 
I'm not going to treat him any different. We're all men in this thing here, okay? When you start downgrading or you start, you know, berating guys because they're not starters and you make them feel lesser, then they feel less entitled to be part of your program. When you're engaging somebody constantly and you're having a relationship, one day you may rely on that kid inside your locker room to win you a game. And you've been pissing and crapping all over him the whole time. You're not going to motivate that kid to go out and play hard for you. He's going to feel that every time he does something, you're going to kill him for it. Makes a mistake. Hey, I'm never going to get on someone's ass if they make a mistake and we're trying to win. How could you get on somebody for that? Okay. We all make mistakes, man. Can't judge people by mistakes. You judge people by successes, not mistakes. But people like to judge people by their errors all the time. Unfortunately, that's how you end up, guess what? Being a loser yourself. So Carol took all these lessons. And I'll never forget. I remember when he got the job, and I, I talked to Todd Lewicki, who was the president of the Seattle Seahawks at the time. He was working for Paul Allen. And Todd's now the number two guy at the NFL behind Roger Goodell. Dear friend of mine, he ran the Tampa Bay Lightning. Todd Lewicki, uh, Lewicki's brother also ran like um, IMG in Los Angeles. Absolutely one of the great you know, families when it comes to running organizations. And he told me, he goes, <clears throat> we wanted Pete Carroll. Okay, Paul Allen wanted Pete Carroll to be the head coach of the Seahawks. And to get him away from Southern Cal, he was winning national championships. He was recruiting and having Ed Ogeron was in the room recruiting for him. They were doing great things. They go to Pete and they go, would you like another shot at the NFL? Carol goes, yes. And they gave him six million bucks. Carol goes, it's a dream job. And he's been there ever since. And, you know, we had talked to Warren Moon a couple of weeks ago. And he doesn't see him really ever bailing out of that, man. In any way, he just doesn't see him bailing out. And I think Pete Carroll has built a culture in that building where even Russell Wilson knows the grass may not be greener on the other side. You know that tire kicking that Russell Wilson was doing? Okay, you're going to go to Chicago where they have just absolutely had a landfill for quarterbacks in that building for the last 70 years. You can't name me a quarterback that's been in that building in 70 years since Otto Graham, where you went like this, man, that guy, yeah, Jim McMahon, sure. But do you know McMahon never played 16 games in his entire career because the Bears beat the piss out of him there. They never properly protected him. And he didn't play as a protected player. He was a reckless player. That's why that guy never lasted long. Never played a 16-game regular season in his entire career. And the Bears never did anything to protect them. Didn't do anything to protect them. Okay? Wilson knows. Carroll's going to go with Russell Wilson as long as he possibly can because he knows he gives him the best chance to win. Plus, he's a defensive guru. And, and I love his environment. Percy Harvin, a couple years ago, was causing trouble inside of his locker room. What did he do? He jettisoned them. All those big mouth guys like Michael Bennett, that they had on the other side, and they were causing trouble when they weren't winning, Pete jettisoned them, turned the team over to Russell Wilson, said it's your time now to run this team, not those defensive guys. It's your time. And have they gotten back to NFC title games? Not really. 
And that's an organizational thing. They got to start putting better talent around him. There's no question. And I agree with Russell Wilson kicking tires in this case. I love Sean Payton in New Orleans. I think this is going to be a big test for him. Okay. Do I think though, you know, I threw his name into this conversation because could he do for Jameis Winston what he did for Teddy Bridgewater? You know, Teddy Bridgewater signs that nice contract, that $32, $33 million contract at Carolina because of the 5-0 record he had when he was a starting quarterback when Breeze was down two years ago. And he did a reclamation project on him. Look at the job that he's done on Tyson Hill. Nobody thought Tyson Hill was going to be anybody when he came out of BYU, but he's kind of a gadget guy. And he turned that guy into a gadget dude. If Jameis Winston can cut down on the 30 interceptions and all the turnovers, Jameis Winston is a 5,000-yard passer. And I think that's what Sean Payton sees in him. They could be one of the surprise teams because of the job that he has done there as the coach. Personally, this is one of Jerry Jones's biggest failures. Okay? This is one of Jerry Jones's biggest failures. You let that guy leave your coaching staff when he worked for Bill Parcells. And that guy could have been your head football coach for the next 20 years like he's been down in New Orleans. I'll finish it up, and I'll tell you again as we go into the top two here. These are two guys that I really love. I'll also take a look at some of the college guys that I really love that can go potentially after Nick Saban. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mag. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Football show with Dan Stilio. Don't forget, write it down on your hand, put it in your phone calendar. Kurt Warner and Tony Bruno will join us tomorrow. We'll talk some football with those guys. Should be hilarious and entertaining and informative. So that'll be your Friday tilt with Kurt Warner and Tony Bruno. We're talking a little bit about the coaches in the NFL that could take down the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers, again, I mean, look, attrition. Injuries like that. Uh, complacency. You really think Tom Brady's shown you at any time in his career where he's a complacent dude? Come on. That's not something that you saw like in Philly. You know, Philadelphia is still running around Broad Street, you know, celebrating the Super Bowl. They are. Hey, man. They do it old news. No one cares anymore. No one cares. Okay. No one cares. And especially that fan base. No one cares. It's like Yankee fan. You know, that's the difference between broadcasting on the West Coast and East Coast. You know, when you're in those East Coast cities like Boston or New York or Philadelphia, you know what those guys are doing? You know what the fan base does? See, when you're in California, hey, man, the Dodgers win. Hey, great. You know, first time since World Hershiser, man, you know, we're all good. We finally win a championship. Lakers win. It's all good. You know, you're partying. You're having a good time. You're down at Staples. You know, you're high five. And hey, we won won the champ. And last night they got by the skin of their teeth from being the eighth seed. And they end up beating the Golden State Warriors because Steph was going berserko. And LeBron threw a Hail Mary up like that. And it went in finally because he's one of the worst perimeter shooters in the history of the NBA. But people will say, oh, my God, what a great. Yeah, because he's been in the game so long. And on the East Coast, this. Uh, you win a champion. Like Yankee fan, here's Yankee fan. Yankees win the World Series. I know it's been a bit. Yankees win the World Series. Yeah, man, that's all great. Okay. What about next year? Dude, we just won it two minutes ago. Can we, can we, can we? No. No. This is the freaking Yankees, man. This is the freaking Yankees. You see those pennants up there? We're not talking about American League East crowds. We talk World Series here. We don't even talk American League East pennants. We talk World Series here as Yankee fans. Come on, man. This is New York Yankee fan. Those guys are the most miserable people I know. Okay? Miserable. Here's Eagle guy. Hey, that guy falls. He's my boy. We're great. Great. You know what, though? Okay, so we have... We had issues at the quarterback spot. We got to get rid of Wentz. Where are we going now? Okay. that. Why do you think you're hearing Eagle fans say it's a 12-win team? <laughs> hey, 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 Krause. <laughs> hey, fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> 12 wins. Oh, I heard that. And even my boy Howard Eskin went like this. Okay. Um, you'll have to excuse that fan base. <laughs> Let's fly, baby. <laughs> hey, I know. Here, here, here. <laughs> okay, I think we're rolling. Hey, whoa, wait, hang on. Whoa. 
Gee, I'm going to have to be on my bike a long time, man. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, the greatness of Jalen Hurts, man. I can't wait to see it. Whoa. Uh, he'll be my number one quarterback. That's my fantasy guy right there. Not. Hey, <laughs> uh, you know what? Here, watch this. I'm going to do something for all you guys here. I got my magic like elephant, and I'm going to point it at the door over here. And see this thing here? The elephant gives you luck. So this is going to be for Eagle fan. Give the Eagles as much. I hope this doesn't look totally obnoxious. Okay? Seriously. So, okay, here, here's your luck. Okay? Eagle fans. <laughs> what, what do you want? You want Hurts to be a star? Or do you want to win 12 games? You ain't getting both. You're, you're not getting both. Here, I gave you all the luck of the elephant. This is the – see this here? When I do that, it's like the Maloik. Now, for all of you non-Italians out there, how I get my way, I can't really – I have to aim it over here towards the wall. It's called the Maloik. So when I do that, and I learned this from my Aunt Jenny, okay? I learned it from her, too. I was taught it on, like, Christmas Eve and stuff like that. I could take headaches away, too. And it's an old fable, but, you know, it's an Italian thing in our family. This is the – See, I got to be careful not to aim it at anybody. Got to make sure my wife's not over there, too. Yeah. Okay. So this is the Maloik. Right here. Watch. Mm. Mm. When I do it three times, mm, you're finished. It's over. Okay. There's certain people in my business mm, that I <laughs> mm. – just to show you, because this is a very dangerous thing. I can't aim it at anybody. I won't aim it at any of you out there. I know some of you know who the Maloik and what the Maloik means. Very dangerous. Whoa. Almost aimed it at you guys. So I'm not going to aim it at Eagle Guy. You have to remember, my family member, right over there, New York Giants Hall of Famer, Andy Robustelli. Okay? So there's a giant quality about my background here that I can never get away with. My uncle was an MVP in the NFL, okay? Big Sills got that little bit of bloodline in him there. I know. And when you tell, hey, I don't care what Cowboy fan thinks. By the way, you know who Eagle Guy hurt, hates more? He don't hate the Cowboys. He 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 looks at the Cowboy as roadkill and goes, yeah, okay, you guys, 19 They hate Giants, guys. <laughs> and vice versa. Okay. <laughs> oh no. You want to see a fist fight? Get a giant guy and an eagle. See cowboys and cowboys and eagle dudes. I'll take eagle guy in that fight every day. New York and Philly, giant fan, eagle fan. That's a Donnie Brook. I like that. <laughs> okay. Be the best man win. And whoever wins, I'm gonna go with that weekend's game. Giant guy wins, hey. Eagle guy wins, hey, you know. Oh, those are the true rivals. You know, Steelers and Ravens, that's a nice rivalry. It's Giants and Eagles, dude. Cowboys and Redskins? No, no. Eagles and Giants. Do you not know this? See, the, the NFL doesn't put Bears and Packers. Huh. Eagles and Giants. People put their homes up for that stuff. Sports bookie guys in Philly, hey. I'm going to bet my wife, her three sisters, and my house 
and you're going to give me three points on that giant game. I don't care it's at MetLife. Giant guy sitting in 16W. He's going to tell Philly guy the same thing. He's going to go, oh, see, I did it. Oh, oh, okay. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my dogs up. I'm going to put my wife up, throw my kid in the room too, and I'm going to put my house and my tree house in it. Is that fair? I throw some bucks in there too. That's how you bet a Philly Eagle game. <laughs> you put your life things. I would compare Eagles and Giants rivalry to like Alabama-Auburn. Okay, that would be the comparison, would be Alabama-Auburn. When they bet, they bet their homes and their old ladies. <laughs> Things that kind of matter to them. Okay, yeah. So you'll be cleaning that guy's toilet for a long time, man. If you lose this Iron Bowl, <laughs> you'll be losing. We'll be losing a lot here if we lose this Iron Bowl, man. We lose that Eagle-Giant game. No good, man. Anyway, let me finish this thing up here. I digress, as I always do. I follow the shiny lure. Anyway, who takes down Arians and, and Brady this year? Do this, too. Are you comfortable doing this, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers? Like, when you see that relationship, don't you do this? I don't know. Yeah, but Dan, they're 26 and 6 over two years. I get it. Okay, I do. But they fumbled in the postseason. You know, it's almost like the Packers, they get on the five-yard line. And they're going in. And you're going in for a touchdown and you fumble it. Everything going in your direction. you got the NFC Championship game at home. you got the MVP. Your coach looks like he's a world beater because he's connected with Aaron Rodgers. All of a sudden, you fumble it. You have pissy calls defensively in the game. Offensively. You make a stupid decision. And what do you do? You end up giving that thing back when you didn't need to. There was no reason that that Packer team should have lost that game to the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. Were they the better team? I don't know. Brady wasn't the better quarterback in that game. It was Rodgers. And they still fumbled it away, and they still ended up losing that football game. So when I look at that dynamic, I do this. I don't know. I, you know, I just don't see them guys on the same page. As great as Belichick is, does he have the quarterback in Cam? Is Cam going to go and be 2015 Cam? That guy we saw then. That guy we saw lead that Panther team is to the Super Bowl. Is he going to be that Cam? I think those days have sailed. I think Cam Newton's on the back nine of his career. And could he, like, pull a Randall Cunningham, like Randall did when he went up to Minnesota and resurrected his career up there when he had Randy Moss and Chris Carter and all them? Could he do something like that, have a 15-1 and season? I don't know if he's capable of doing that. Randall could throw the ball. Cam was always more of a of a guy who relied on all of his skill set for him to be able to play the position. And he did it to a level of being an MVP. But does Bill have the guy? And, and Mac Jones, I mean, when does Mac Jones see the field? Will he probably see the field this year? Maybe. You know, Cam gets hurt with Mac Jones, with, with Belichick. Because if you see Mac Jones – 
If you see Mac Jones this year, you know things have gone south in New England. I just don't think Bill has the dude in the room yet. You know, I was always under the impression that Bill was going to try to make a play this coming offseason for Aaron Rodgers. I really was. I mean, I think if that guy gets out there in the open market, personally, I think New England throws everything at Green Bay to try to get that guy in the building, especially after what Bill saw Brady do by going to Tampa Bay. Okay, he goes to Tampa Bay. Brady's 42 when he gets to Tampa Bay. Aaron Rodgers next year will be 39. I don't know. I think Rodgers could have two years in that offense up there in New England. And if you put the best coach in the history of the National Football League, along with one of the top 10 passers in the history of the National Football League, could you at the end see Belichick winning the last Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers in New England and then just waving to the crowd on their way out the door? Hey, man, I, I've i been saying that I think that's where he's, he landed. People keep saying them. I said Denver, too. I said Denver. But do you want to go with Fangio, or would you rather go with Belichick? If you're Aaron Rodgers, you're in the same boat as Peyton Manning was when Peyton Manning got run out of Indianapolis. Peyton had one Super Bowl title. And I've said this to everyone. He underachieved in Indianapolis. You win one title, I get you're in the Brady era. But guess what? Roethlisberger's got more championships at one place than what Peyton Manning did at Indy. Okay? He had to go to Denver to get that title. Ben won those championships in Pittsburgh. He's still there. So why would I take the lesser coach and go and work there and try to win a Super Bowl in Denver when my roster in Green Bay is better? But with Aaron Rodgers going to New England with that defense and some of the skill set people, what if they go out and get Julio Jones? After June 1, I'm talking to Patriots. You got Julio Jones on that team. I know that's probably not New England-ish because of the money that's owed to him. But you get some people on that football team, and with all the draft commodities that they have, they got a lot of draft choices. You put that into the conversation, and you get Aaron Rodgers in New England, I, I could see Aaron Rodgers going there and winning a championship and Bill Belichick just bowing out. I don't think Bill this year has the pieces on the offensive side, especially at the signal caller spot, for them to be able to win a Super Bowl. I'll tell you who my favorite coach, though, in the league is. And I love this guy. This is a guy I want to play for. This is a guy that reminds me of Jimmy Johnson a lot. And that is, I love Mike Tomlin. You know, I, 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 I've been trying to get Michael Vick on our show. And... Michael Vick told me of all the places he's ever played. When he got to Pittsburgh, he said, Mike Tomlin sits you down and tells you exactly what's being asked of you. When you get in that building, this is what's going to be asked of you to try to win a championship. You do these things. And by the way, Mike says he expects you to do them or you'll get called out and you'll be called out in front of your entire team. He said, when it came to how Tomlin deals with his coaching staff or how he deals with his team, how he deals with people that are involved with the team, he'll put you on blast no matter where it is, 
no matter what it's about, he'll let you know, man, this is what we need here. This is the standard that's been set by the Roonies here in Pittsburgh. And by God, I am the caretaker of this program, and we are going to do every single thing possible to run this program the way the Roonies had set the culture inside this building. That knows where you're standing. Now, is Roethlisberger capable of winning one more? I don't know. I thought he had a rough ending last year. You know, of all the 2004 quarterbacks between Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning, he's the best of that group. You know, that'll go down as one of the greatest quarterback draft classes of all time. I think the 83 draft class is probably the greatest. He had too many Hall of Famers all over it, especially at the quarterback position. But that 04 class with Rivers and Eli Manning and uh, Ben Roethlisberger, that thing was dynamic. I'll say it one more time to you. I just don't know if they have the horses to be able to win that Super Bowl. And I don't know if Ben has enough gas left in the tank to get that done. Hey, don't forget tomorrow, we will have Tony Bruno on with us, one of the legendary sports talkers with us. We'll get his spin on how he sees this offseason in the National Football League. I can't wait I can't wait to hear his theory on, on the whole Tim Tebow and Hall of Famer Kurt Warner from CBS and from the NFL Network joining us. The only place you can catch us is on the Jacob Media channel. Don't forget tomorrow, 4 to 6, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.